0: Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. Well, good morning, everyone. Please pray with me as we ask God to give us wisdom as we, we hear what he has to say to us. Lord, thank you that your word is truth and your word is life. Thank you for the power it has to... Change us, transform us, teach us, correct us, build us up into righteousness. And so, God, as we study your word this morning, I pray that we would truly have lives that are transformed and changed for the better. Give us wisdom. May your Holy Spirit um, illuminate and bring light to what we are studying together today. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Our Lord. Amen. Amen. So um, we've been walking through scripture and using 2 Timothy as a way to study what God calls us to do as a church when we are devoted to his word. So, devoted to scripture, um, and as part of our theme for the year, which is proclaiming the gospel through a spirit filled life of wholeness and love. Uh, we want to touch on what it means to be devoted to the Word of God. And today's title for our sermon is, The Word is Not Bound. The Word is Not Bound, and that can be found in the passage that we have read uh, today. So in 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 2, uh, Paul is addressing Timothy. He's directly addressing Timothy. We've heard uh, from Pastor Brandon in previous weeks that this is probably Paul's final letter of his ministry. Uh, It's also one of the last things that Paul does because he senses that his ministry is coming to an end, but he also senses that his own life is coming to an end. In fact, in later chapters in 2 Timothy, Paul refers to himself as a drink offering being out. So Paul knows that the end is nigh. The end is here, the end of his life, the end of his ministry, and he wants to impart some words into Timothy, his mentor, so that Timothy can continue the work of spreading the gospel. So this is a very personal letter that Paul is writing to Timothy. And in these first few verses, you know, Paul is writing and he senses that the end is near, but he wants Timothy to continue this witness. And so he strengthens him and says, Timothy, you, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So as Paul is coming to the end of his life, he knows he's invested a lot into Timothy's life. So in faithfully investing in the life of Timothy, pouring into timothy's life paul gives him this challenge and says the gospel that i have invested in you don't let that investment stop with you allow the gospel to do what the gospel does continue to invest that in faithful people and he qualifies the kind of people that timothy is to invest in in this church find faithful men who are able to also teach this to others because Paul recognizes that the gospel is powerful. The gospel is glorious. Are we selecting people who are faithful to the gospel? People who will be faithful to pass the deposit that God has placed in them on to others so that we can see this kind of effect of the gospel, the gospel being passed on from one person to another and faithfully carrying out the work that God has called. So for us as a church, I know it's not nominations time yet, but nominations committee, thank me later. Please keep thinking about faithful people, people who are faithful to the gospel. If you're somebody who's seeking to serve in the church, be faithful to the gospel so that when the time comes, you can also pass on that message to others and we can see the gospel have a multiplying effect throughout our church, but also throughout our neighborhoods and workplaces and indeed throughout our world. So Paul says, invest, invest Timothy in faithful people who will pass on the gospel and not let this message die with them. And then Paul continues to encourage Timothy by sharing the reality that when you do this, Timothy, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard. Following Jesus is hard. If we go on to the next slide, you see Uh, Ways that Paul describes how following Jesus is hard. And I had a conversation with uh, David Freemian this morning because he was helping me put my slides together. And he asked me, Mr. John, are you sure the first sentence up there is correct? Following Jesus be hard. And I said, yes. If you go across the highway, you will find many people who use that kind of terminology. But that's the truth about what it means to share the gospel. It is hard work. And Paul recognizes that. Following Jesus, be hard. It is intense work. We will get ridiculed for it. We will lose status for it. And Paul recognizes that his young follower, Timothy, um, may be looking and seeing, okay, my mentor is in prison. My mentor is in jail. And so he calls upon Timothy and says, I want you to visit me. And I know this is going to be hard for you because you would have to associate with a person who is in prison. It's going to be hard, people may forsake you, people may turn away from you for the sake of the gospel, but he strengthens Timothy by providing Timothy with three metaphors for how hard it is to follow Jesus but also what Jesus provides for us to be able to follow him faithfully. So these are the three metaphors. The metaphor of a soldier, the metaphor of an athlete, and the metaphor of a farmer. So soldier, athlete, and farmer. Here's what he says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who has enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules, and it is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So let's take those metaphors one at a time and just mind some of the wisdom that Paul gives us in these metaphors. First, the soldier. The soldier. And the thing about all of these metaphors is that there's a common thread of being faithful, being disciplined, being hopeful. Every one of these metaphors has a sense of giving yourself to something that is bigger than yourself. Hoping for something, and even if you are suffering in the moment, having the hope that the future glory is nothing compared to the present suffering that you have. There's also an element of complete single-minded devotion for all of these metaphors. So let's start with the soldier. Soldiers are committed to the cause. Soldiers are committed to the one who has commanded them and enlisted them. Soldiers are committed to the commander in chief. And soldiers make so many sacrifices in order to be committed to the one who has enlisted them. Huge sacrifices. And so when Paul talks about soldiers, he says, do not be easily entangled by civilian pursuits. Now, what Paul is not saying here is that, you know, as a soldier, you need to completely detach yourself from every kind of civilian pursuit. That word he uses is entangles. Don't entangle yourself with the things of this world. But have your eye on the prize and your eye on the person who has enlisted you. Because the person who has enlisted you is trustworthy and is faithful. You can trust the commander in chief. That a good commander-in-chief will never send you to do something that they themselves will not do, or they don't believe will actually win the battle or win the war. So Paul says to Timothy, be a good soldier. And it's going to be hard. You may have to let go of certain relationships that you have, friendships. Some of us know what it's like to let go of family relationships in order to pursue Jesus. Some of us know the hardship of entering into places where we have to let go of comforts of our daily lives because we want to follow Jesus and proclaim the gospel. And Paul says, it's going to be hard, but remember that your commander-in-chief is always with you and the commander-in-chief will never command you to do something that will not bring about the full winning of the war. So that's soldier. We can trust Jesus, our master and commander. The second point that Paul makes is the athlete. And over there you see a picture of Lionel Messi, um, one of the greatest soccer players who has lived in the last couple decades. And uh, yes, that is true. Yes, not Cristiano Ronaldo, but Messi. But that's a picture from one of the first games of the World Cup where Messi's team actually loses the game. Um, All this hard work of getting to the World Cup and his team loses the game. Uh, And, of course, at that point, even I have to confess, I myself was like, you know what? Argentina has toast this World Cup. They're done. They're not going to win. But eventually, through a lot of hard work and perseverance, playing by the rules, knowing exactly what's expected of their team to win, Argentina turns their ship around and finally gets to the finals of the World Cup and eventually wins the entire competition. And so Paul is comparing the race that we run and sharing the gospel, and he's talking to Timothy, and he says, it's like being an athlete, right? No athlete is able to win any competition if they do not play by the rules no matter what kind of sport it is, whether if it's a track and field, you have to wait for the gun before you start. If you start before the gun, you're disqualified. If you are a basketball player, you have to play by the rules. You can't think that kicking the ball into the net is what needs to happen in basketball. Those are not the rules. In fact, you get penalized for using your feet. If you are a football player, this football, you can't use your hands. Although some people have gotten away with using their hands. But in an ideal world, every athlete who wins and triumphs has to play by the rules. And so Jesus is the one who sets the rules for us as we spread the gospel. He sets rules for us by calling us to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, He sets rules for us by commanding us to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. He sets rules for us by commanding us to do unto others as we would have them do to us. He sets rules for us by calling us to go into all the world and baptize people into the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, and to teach them all the rules of the game. Teach them the rules of the game. And as you're teaching the rules of the game, you have to also abide by the same rules that have been given. So in gospel proclamation and being devoted to the word of God, we should be like an athlete. Train your body. Athletes go through strict diet, strict exercise. In fact, you see so many athletes completely change what their body looks like so that they can achieve the final goal. And that's no different as we're training ourselves to be devoted to the word of God and to spread the gospel. It's gonna be like an athlete. We might have to change the things that we eat, the shows we watch, the company we keep, the places that we hang out in. And we're doing this because we know there's a bigger prize that awaits us. Jesus tells us, train yourself like an athlete. Be like an athlete. Compete by the rules. And the prize will be ours one day. And then the last metaphor that he gives is that of a farmer. A farmer is faithful and disciplined in their labor in the fields. And a farmer does this because they hope that all their planting and all their care of their crops, will in turn yield something when harvest time comes. The farmer isn't worried about reaping a harvest right here, right now, because they know that it takes time. It takes hard, faithful work to plant a seed, to water it, to watch it grow. There are risks involved. Nobody knows if there's some big weather event that's going to come through and completely wipe out the crop. But the farmer is faithful anyway to continue planting those seeds, to continue tending the seeds, and to hope that someday that seed will produce 50, 60, 100-fold. And so that's the same call that Paul is giving Timothy here and also giving us. Being devoted to the gospel means that We will be like farmers, planting seeds, watering and tilling, and just hoping, hoping and hoping that God does something with the seeds that he has given us to plant. We must not be discouraged when some seeds don't grow. We must not be discouraged when the storms of life may destroy the things that we have done in the seasons of hard labor. But like a farmer, we keep hope alive, and we keep planting and tilling and watering, and we allow God do what God does, which is making the seed to sprout and grow. All that God calls us to do is to keep doing the work of the farmer. Plant, weed, water, be faithful, hope, and watch God bring about the increase in its appointed time. Now, all of these things, like we've said, are hard, hard disciplines that don't come by just hoping and wishing. Uh, There's discipline of like every day doing something, allowing God to do something in your life that helps you to show up devoted to his word as a soldier, an athlete, or a farmer is to their craft. And Paul calls us and tells us that this is going to be hard, and here's how you keep at this work of being devoted to the gospel. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. In the first part he talks about grace, that it is the grace of Jesus Christ that actually helps us to do these hard things and show up as these hard professions. Only through remembering Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in the gospel for which Paul is suffering bound with chains as a criminal but the word of God is not bound. Paul says that in remembering Jesus Christ and doing it often we are able to enter into places where we can actually suffer for a long amount of time before receiving any kind of reward for the word that we are depositing in others. Paul says always remember that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead no longer on the cross out of the empty tube. Jesus Christ has risen. And that is good news to remember every time you're working hard and planting seeds and hoping and praying for that family member to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But it seems like it's not happening. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. And know that God is in the business of making dead things come to life. Anytime you're connecting with that friend who you just want to see them take hold of what God wants for their lives, but they seem to always be making mistake after mistake, remember that Jesus Christ is risen and that the same power in the Holy Spirit that is at work when Jesus Christ is raised from the dead is also at work resurrecting that seed to life. Continue being faithful, continue planting, continue competing, Continue fighting in this war. The battle is the Lord's and God has called us to just be faithful soldiers, faithful athletes, faithful farmers, and to allow him do what he does in making the seeds grow. Remember that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And if the spirit of God can raise someone back to life, then surely the spirit of God can awaken saving faith in the heart of whoever it is that you've been praying for or mentoring or coaching. Stay the course. It is hard, but remember Jesus Christ and lean on God's grace to get you through what you are suffering. And that's why we gather here every Sunday, church. We gather here every Sunday to remember Jesus Christ. We are people who are prone to forget Our hearts easily wander and we are prone to forget what Jesus Christ has done for us and what he can do for others. And so we gather here every Sunday to remember Jesus Christ, who was the word at the beginning, one with God most high, created us out of love and for love, but we rejected that love. But even though we rejected that love, the words of the song say, Jesus did not want heaven without us. And so he brought heaven down to us by becoming a baby in a manger. And through his life and witness and his teaching, he shows us what it means to be devoted to this good news of the kingdom. He took our sin and our brokenness, and not just our personal sin, but our collective sin, the sin and its effect on the world that we're in, Jesus took all of that and nailed it to the cross. And he was buried. And after three days, he rose again with power and authority and victory in his hand. And we can see throughout history how that last line in there, the word of God is not bound, is so true that no matter what happens in our world, the gospel continues to go forth. No matter what happens in our own lives, the gospel continues to go forth. Military dictatorships and regimes in different countries have not stopped the gospel from going forth. Slavery and racism have not stopped the gospel from going forth. Our own insecurities, the ways that we show up with fear and timidity, have not stopped the gospel from going forth. The gospel cannot be chained. The gospel cannot be bound. And with our help and participation or without it, God will accomplish his purposes in this world. And so for us, it's really great to align ourselves with the winning team. We know that Jesus Christ and the gospel will always take the final prize. And so it's very easy for us. God has made it easy for us and said, you know what, I am doing this and nothing is going to stop the gospel going forth. So we can align ourselves with the team that we know will already win it all. We don't have to guess or make brackets or guess what's going to happen. We know that Jesus Christ and his team devoted to the gospel and devoted to the kingdom always win. So let's get on board. Let's get on the right team. Because Jesus Christ is asking us to do hard things, but he's asking us to join the winning team. Paul concludes by giving a couple different challenges and cautions and comforts. So when you go on to verse 11, he says this, the same is trustworthy For if we have died with Christ, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny himself. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Now there's a challenge in all of these ones because there's a call to die to ourselves so that we can live with Christ. There's a call to endure suffering. You know, Paul doesn't cast this as, you know, something that may or may not happen. In the life of the Christian, all of us will experience suffering for the sake of the gospel. Either personal suffering or suffering that we have chosen to align ourselves with. And he says we need to endure that kind of suffering, like good soldiers and good athletes and good farmers. And if we do that, On the other side, we will reign with Jesus Christ. And he gives some hard cautions and says, if we deny Jesus Christ, when he comes in all his glory to reign, Jesus will also deny us. You may be thinking that's harsh, but those are the words that even Jesus gives in Luke chapter 9 and in Matthew chapter 10. He gives these pictures of people who, when suffering comes, deny his existence, and Jesus says that he will deny them when he comes in glory. My prayer and my hope is that everybody in this room will not be denied by Jesus when he comes in glory, but that all of us will embrace the hard things that God calls us to do, to share the gospel and be devoted to the word, so that we will see Jesus in all his glory, and he will accept us as good and faithful servants into his kingdom. But then he also gives this foundational principle that we need to stand on. Cuz it can be discouraging to think about what we have to suffer or to think about dying to ourselves or to think that you know Jesus will deny us if we deny him at the last coming. He says these words, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. How are we able to die to ourselves, to endure suffering? It is because of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ in our lives. And so you don't have to worry when you mess up one day or another. Run back to your faithful Savior. When we are faithless, He remains faithful to us. When we are faithless, Jesus Christ remains faithful. This is how we endure suffering for the sake of the gospel. By leaning on the grace of Jesus Christ, depending on his resurrection. Leaning into the power that he gives. Because we know that he will always remain faithful to us, even when we are faithless. So as a way for us to close, um, I want us to read something together. And uh, it's going to be a call and response reading uh, from scripture, and it's going to be from 2 Timothy, which we're studying, but not the chapter we've read today from chapter one. And before I do that, I just want to highlight the last verse that we've read, which says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. Jesus Christ is faithful by nature. You know, if he had a a hip-hop group It would be called faithful by nature. You got it right? All right. Some people don't get the joke, but Jesus is faithful, faithful by nature, and he cannot deny who he is. And so we can stand on that truth. So let's stand together and respond to our sermon today by reading um, this responsive reading. So this is from 2 Timothy chapter 1, therefore... Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. God saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. God's purpose now has been manifested through the appearing of our savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For which I was appointed a preacher an apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful and altogether jesus cannot deny himself and the gospel cannot be bound amen Amen. hallelujah church this is god's will for us as we are devoted let's commit to our god who gives us the strength to not be entangled by civilian affairs and be good soldiers the god who gives us the endurance as athletes to compete by the rules even when they are hard, knowing that there is a prize that awaits us at the end. And the God who gives us patience and hope as good farmers so that we can plant seeds and know that whether it happens in our life or after we are gone, we have a God through the power of the Holy Spirit who is making all things new, making seeds of hope grow in very hard places. Amen. Please be seated and join me in prayer. Jesus, thank you that you remain faithful and you cannot deny yourself. Thank you that the gospel and the word of God cannot be chained, cannot be bound. By circumstances we face in our lives individually or by things happening in our world that seem to be hopeless and full of despair lord your good news and the gospel of the kingdom of jesus christ will continue to go forward you have invited us to be a part of your team to join your army to join your team join your farm. God, may our response to that invitation every day always be yes, even when we suffer ridicule or we suffer shame or we suffer feelings of insecurity or loss of property and even loss of life. God, may we always say yes to your invitation to join your team and to proclaim the gospel throughout our world. Because the gospel is glorious, the gospel is good, and the gospel is the only hope that we have for a world that is completely transformed and a world that breeds new life in you. Help us to be faithful, and thank you for being faithful even when we are faithless.